All right, welcome to the Peyton Years, your home for Oregon State men's basketball, the only podcast in existence dedicated solely to Oregon State men's basketball. As always, I'm your host, Andy, and I'm here with my friend, Sam. Sam, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing great, Andy. You know, despite this kind of gray and cold, dreary weather we're dealing with here, here in the Pacific Northwest and in, in beaver country, um, you know, it's been a great first week of of the month of December as the holiday season kicks up and we got an early gift. We've got two victories to talk about and, and it's great to, to be back behind the mic, you know, that's right. Oregon state is coming off a two game win streak that quite honestly, doesn't really feel like a win streak, but we're going to break down the games. We're going to pre talk preview Utah Valley. We might even do a little Ken pom ponderings. We're going to get into everything, a classic Peyton years episode. Um, but first as always the Oregon state fight song. I was blasting that all night after after the evening we had Monday. That's right. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about – let's go back to last Thursday where Oregon State starts its prolific two-game win streak um, with a 71-59 victory over UC Davis, avenging a loss to UC Davis from two years ago, I believe – two or three years ago. I can't remember. Was it during the promise season that they lost to UC Davis? No, no, no. It was uh, – It was the, the year after. It was yeah, the Deshaun year. Yeah. Right. We, we, we don't have a, a name for that one. No, <laughs> whatever the opposite of a promise season is. Um, all right, so Oregon State won 71-59, and the more encouraging of the two victories. Sam, what stood out to you from the game? Well, I was back down there at Gill for this one. Uh, Shout-outs and thank yous to Trevor Kramer for hooking it up as always. But, um, you know, a bit of a disappointing first half. They went in down five. Um, obviously, this game will be remembered as the Shoal shift. We had the Silva shift during the, the promise season kind of a couple times. And this was by far Shoal's best game. Uh, the Beavers, I don't know what the rebounding stats were at halftime, but they were ugly. UC Davis gave themselves in a game that they did not shoot well at all. Um, a lot of second chances in the first 25 to 28 minutes of the game. But the Beavers finished the game on a 41-22 run, and, and, and Shoal was the biggest reason why. It's great to see him be a force, you know, as he's, this is probably the longest stretch of him being healthy in quite some time. And, and we're starting to see results from that. Yeah. I was going to say his legs look so much better. He looks much more spry on the court, much more mobile than we've ever seen Shoal in an Oregon state uniform. Yeah. He's coming off his best game, both in terms of points and rebounds. He led the team with 18 points, 10 rebounds, a couple of blocks, a ferocious dunk to kind of seal the deal and the game, or maybe not seal the deal because the game was, Pretty much sealed up, but, you know, a cathartic end to it. He had a swat down the stretch, too. Yeah, very clutch. He had a, he had, uh, a couple of really impressive blocks. He's, you're seeing that his wingspan truly is the 8'1", 8'2", whatever the crazy number they listed at. It feels like he can cover so much ground without moving his feet. You watched him just get more comfortable as the game was going on. And Abekwe started again. He only played like seven minutes because of foul trouble. He was not officiated fairly, in my opinion, a couple of them. Were pretty horrendous calls, but um, I he had four rebounds in his seven minutes. I think he would have been off to a big night had they let <laughs> let him play. But so Shoal stepped in, and and so it went in a game that it was needed. Yeah, he played great. Also, Dexter Acano was second on the team in scoring. He had 16 points, four rebounds, two assists, a lot of really clutch drives. 
good finishing around the basket, really good free throw shooting. Um, Dexter Connor right now currently, which I believe Glenn Taylor did it last year. So it'll be interesting if Oregon State is able to have two players do it, different players do it in consecutive years. But currently Glenn Taylor leads the Pac-12 in free throws attempted. Uh, that's something Glenn Taylor did last year. Um, currently Dexter Connor does it. Very impressed with his game so far. Very strong. And I think he's making a little bit more plays. The offense feels good when he's out there, at least because you have someone else attacking besides Jordan Pope, who I think it can it's freeing Pope up more. He's working so hard. He, he Jordan Pope had 15 points, three rebounds, three assists. A good game for him. But he's working so hard when he gets the ball because there's so much coverage on him. I think with Econo out there attacking the rim, it frees up Pope more. Uh, love to see it. You love to see it, especially with – Christian Wright, these past few games, hasn't been getting as many shots himself. And, and you know, we'll jump ahead to the Cal Poly game in a second. But it's it's clear at this point how important Dexter is to the offense right now, which is still clearly a work in progress. Justin Roshlin hit a three. He hasn't been shooting well, so that was big. Josiah Lake in 17 minutes had four points. More importantly, had four steals. He's been playing better and better. Josiah Lake looks amazing. Yeah, he's got to lead the nation in assist-to-turnover ratio. I think he had one turnover in this game, so I think that gives him two for the season so far. We'll have to check on that. We'll do. We'll we'll get our researchers to work on that. One. I think I think Josiah Lake. It's hard for me to say because both uh, Christian Wright and Dexter Connor. I want to give them their flowers. They're great one-on-one -on -one defenders. Um, so, but maybe Josiah Lake is the best help <laughs> defender on the team because he gets so many reach over strip down steals on like drives where he helps off his man. Uh, just, he seems to always be in the right place at the right time. The announcer, uh, last night's game on Monday night's game said that he had a real nose for the ball. And I think that's the best way to describe it. Almost like a football mentality where he just knows how to go in and make a play directly on the ball. It's, it's clear that on ball defense is, is a huge part of this team's identity and what's going to make them successful. And, and, and yeah, four steals for Lake, but 10 as a team. Pope had one, Christian Wright had one, Econo had two, Justin Rochelin had one that was a great play. It was a really good defensive game from start to finish. I mean, Elijah Pepper, we were scared of, we were worried he would go off and he, it was the first game he had under 20 on the year. He only had nine points. So they did a great job with him. Elijah Pepper, who, uh, as was pointed out to you in the stands by a fellow fan, looks like he played for Oregon City High School. <laughs> really That's did. the most apt comparison I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, salute to that young man. He he really did nail that one. He said half of UC Davis looked like they played in the TRL. And and if you know, you know, but that is a very accurate statement. TRL is the Three River League, <laughs> yes. if you're having trouble following in along. The, in the suburban Portland area. Um, okay, yeah, they played great defense on uh, – Pepper, they held the whole USC team to just 35% uh, from the field, 18% from three. So just an off-shooting night for some of them. But really, you want to credit the Oregon State defense. The help defense and the rotations are looking really good. You can tell that a lot of these players are coming into their own, into the defensive concept in the second year. You're seeing Tinkle be able to kind of go back into his bag of tricks like he used to be able to do with teams that were had more uh, continuity on them in the last couple of years where you're seeing them change up from like uh, two three zone to a one two one two zone to like a a one three one sometimes in the same possession just really throwing around making it hard on the other team to figure out what's going on I think that's going to be pivotal going down the stretch too as you play teams with better offenses once we get into conference play yeah that Wayne talked about it I mean there there were a lot of fouls called in the first half and that put them in a position where they felt like they maybe had to go zone but it really 
And you worry about that against a team with three point shooters, but it really slowed them down and they, they continued to switch them. And that was a huge part of the reason they finished the game on a 41 22 run. Yeah, that and a lack of turnovers. This is going to be a, I think, a consistent theme with this team on offenses. Oregon State, again, they had 22 turnovers as a team. That's coming off having uh, multiple games of 20 plus turnovers in the preseason NIT. They're going to need to hold on to the ball better. That's what's keeping some of these like smaller schools in the game. It's just the amount of turnovers Oregon State has. And you're seeing it. It's not really like directly at one person, you know. Uh, it's just kind of like everyone on the team is losing the ball on drives, maybe making a little bit of sloppy passes, getting a little sped up. I think you see Wayne Tinkle a lot on the sideline yelling at his team to slow down because especially with some of these smaller schools, the refs are really letting them play physical and letting them speed up Oregon State. So, Got to take better control of the ball. Yeah, and it's the reason that you're seeing guys like Thomas Endong, who only played four minutes in this one, and Gavin Mars, who didn't play any at all, get kind of shrunken out of the rotation and, and Wayne's tightening things up. He played 10 guys in this one, but three were seven minutes or less. So he, you're starting to see the leash for some of the freshmen get get a lot shorter. Oh, yeah. I mean, should we talk about Dijon Craig right now, or do you want to go into the next game? I think it's more next game. I mean, this, okay. this was a pretty solid effort, especially in the second half. Yeah. Um, and, a, and a very good defensive effort. Mike Ortai, this was one of the first games where he um, started to play, get more significant minutes. He had seven points, five rebounds. He had a really big game uh, after that, playing a lot of minutes down the stretch. For him to come into form is going to be huge for this Oregon State team because he gives them kind of a rugged athlete that they don't have as much. He's he's a real Pac-12 athlete, super strong, fast, and like Josiah Lake, has a real nose for the ball, makes really good hustle plays, really good hand plays on the balls, a lot of tip-ins, very active on the offensive glass. The more minutes he gets, I think you'll see this team start to stabilize. Yeah, and it just it gives him a lot more depth. I mean, I, I think he's I should be starting going forward. I mean, we'll talk about what he did against Cal Poly, but Wayne went with him a lot more than he did Bilodeau yeah. in the second half. This wasn't Bilodeau's best game. Um, it was him. He only grabbed one rebound in yeah. his 25 or 22 minutes. So um, it did have a couple of nice buckets, but he was one of the guys out there when UC Davis was getting lots of second chances and retired did a better job. Yeah, definitely. I think Retai, um He's not as shook by some of the physical play just because he's he's also – he's just kind of like a football player out there. He's got such a football player's game. It's funny. Yeah, and you're seeing him develop quite a bit from the guy he was a year ago, I think. Yeah, I guess the last thing I want to touch on from the game, and this was just for people who if you watched it on TV like I did, but I want to shout out uh, Michael Roll, who was the color commentator for this. A uh, UCLA player that I really like, played at UCLA for five years, like I think from like 2006 to 2010 or 11, um, was at a good senior year, but played a lot against some of my all-time favorite UCLA players, like Josh Shipp, was Josh Shipp's backup. Everyone loves Josh Shipp, of course. Um, but I want to shout him out because he talked the least of any color commentator I've ever seen in my entire life with literal two to three moments or minutes of dead air in between the play-by-play -play man talking. A lot of times it was just the play-by-play -play man talking, giving him a clear lead in to say something. Michael Roll not saying literally anything. They're being silenced for two minutes, and then the play-by-play -play man just going back to talking about what's happening to the game. I like to think he was just swept up by the magic of being inside Gill Coliseum. If it's not something you're used to, it can leave you a bit breathless and, and without much to say as you just try to take it in. So I – 
I, I salute you, Michael Roll. Come back to Gill Coliseum soon. That's right. All right, yeah. And let's move on to the next game. Let's just stamp the UC Davis as the Shoal Shift, everybody. The Shoal Shift. Cheers to it. Always remember it. November 30th, 2023. And to many more. We'll see if he can top it soon. All right. Now on to the second game of Oregon State's win streak uh, when they played Monday, beating the Cal Poly Mustangs 70-63 to in double overtime. A truly unique basketball game, one where the start of the second overtime, both teams have 60 points, which is incredibly hard to do <laughs> in, itself. in itself. Oregon State hits zero threes. They go over 10, 0%. Um, what what a crazy game. What stood out to you from this game of the, the many things? You know, I, you, I'm going to take the words right out of your mouth, Andy. You called it very early. I think it was 8-3 to three Cal Poly, and you just knew it's going to be a rock fight. They're go- You know, I, I, lo- I had lost no faith that the Beavers would figure out a way to get that one done last night. But you, you knew early on that it would not be pretty. Uh, they sorely missed Dexter Acano. We should mention that he did not play, and hopefully he'll be back Saturday. But, yeah, without him, the offense really, um, the only thing that seemed to be working with any consistency at all was was dumping it uh, down to Michael Retai on the block and Casey Abekwe as well. He was big in the overtimes. Outside of that, you know, I don't. I don't know how many teams can say they don't make a three in fifty minutes and still find a win, a way to win. Yeah, and you know, Jordan Pope had a lot of great looks, a lot of shots that he still hits. And to his credit, and I think this is a good sign, is he shot threes all the way till the bitter end on fast breaks, pull ups. Like he didn't let uh, missing all of his threes go yeah. to him. And that's what you want to see out of your best player and your best shooter, because a lot of his looks looked great. Like when you put him up, you think this is perfect. This is going in and then back iron. So just one of those nights. Uh, but I thought that was good. Yeah. He, he, his confidence never seemed to waver. It was it to me kind of a combination of him forcing some shots at time. The Cal Poly defended him very, very tightly and aggressively and physically. Cal Poly's defense, uh, Wayne Tinkle was complaining about during the game, but they really put their chest in the, the <laughs> offensive opponent in you know, that's not always a foul, but just the way they were doing it, it seems like you could call them for a blocking foul or hand check foul literally any second of the game. Definitely the most – this was the most physical game that Oregon State has played all year, even more physical than, like, the Baylor game or get some of those elite athletes. And I think the refs, not necessarily that they let the game get away from them because it never really felt out of control, but it didn't really – feel like a basketball game necessarily no much more akin to rugby right it was sloppy chaotic uh right they at least it was consistent i don't want to say it was the most poorly officiated game of the year and eventually the fouls did kind of pile up and the beavers started getting to the line on just by being in the bonus and getting getting some points well i think that's because let's talk about because i agree with you i don't think this game was overly biased but i think we saw the worst call made in beaver bias maybe that i've ever seen in my life should we want to talk about the seven point play for cal poly in the second half that was why really what got this game to overtime yeah you set the stage okay so the stage is oregon state is um this is the end of regulation right it's yeah there's about like four minutes left or five minutes left yeah but oregon state's up five points i believe maybe six points they're starting to pull away starting to build some uh Consistent momentum. I think it was five. I think it yeah. was 53-48. Cal Poly comes down and 
they they hit a shot, right? They hit a three-pointer that was very heavily contested, very good defense. So that's already kind of deflating. It was towards the end of the shot clock, maybe with like one second Very left. few three-pointers were made. So that's already uh, a little dejecting. They hit a three. And then the referees, in one of the most physical games I've seen, call an off-ball technical foul on Justin Roshlin for – they say after the ball went through the hoop, shoulder checking his man into the baseline. When you watch the replay, it's clear that it's just it's a box just out. It's just it's just a hard. it's just a box out in a very physical game where they're letting players go over the back. So you want to box out hard. It doesn't make any sense. They call that. Uh, they hit their free throws, both free throws, and score a bucket. It's a seven point play. Uh, yeah, that was the worst call I've seen in such a long time and so impactful in this game. Right. It did feel at that point like Beaver bias was was thick in the air. And, I mean, again, it just – all the credit goes to them for figuring out how to win a game with a call like that is so impactful. And I, I felt bad for Rochelin. It, again, it was a shocking – Thing, but Cal Poly did play well. I, I like Kobe Sanders' game, their leading scorer. He didn't shoot the ball well. Quentin Jones, their freshman, probably the best game he's had. Quentin Jones. All season, I would assume. Yeah, that's got to be the best season game of his college career so far. Um, yeah, he had 21 points. Just seemed like he hit every three, especially in the first half. Cooled off in the second half, and they went to more of a Kobe Sanders-based offense. Kobe Sanders had a couple of clutch buckets to send it to overtime, including just a power through on a Beckway. who was really afraid to foul. Uh, towards the end of regulation, but yeah, a good player, really good in the post. Yeah, and they're they're six eleven. Uh, I I did not watch this game with sound on, but Joel was it is it Armatrading? It's a really awesome last name. He was effective as well, especially when the Beavers tried to go a little bit smaller at times, which they didn't do a ton of. But they, I think it's a better team than the record shows at this point, they'll have more wins ahead of them if they continue to play that aggressive and physical defense. Yeah, they mentioned on the broadcast that their coach is from the Jerry uh, Tartanian UNLV, UNLV coaching days, uh, coaching tree. So just a really aggressive man-to-man physical defense like that those 90s UNLV sense, yeah. teams played out well. Um, if Shoal Mariel, last game we call it the Shoal Shift, we should give Casey Abekwe his nod. He had his career high, 14 points, eight rebounds, very effective in the post. Had a couple of just really clutch plays in the second overtime, including the catch uh, from a just a crazy Michael Rotai lob. Just kind of flipped it 12 feet in the air. Casey Beckway has the longest arms outside of Shoal in the state. He's able to snag it, score uh, two points off it. That kind of sealed the game. He also had a very clutch play where uh, Michael Rotai lost the ball driving into the middle, which happened several times, although he had his best game. Uh, maybe of his career also. We'll talk about him soon. But he lost the ball going in the key against like three defenders. Casey Beckway somehow <laughs> manages to grab the ball from like three feet away, again because his arms are so long, and then is so strong, is able to hold on to it while the momentum of all three Cal Poly players carries them out of bounds. He holds on to it for a second and then scores. Uh, huge play. I think this weekend really – Gave you hope for the Beaver Bigs because the center play is going to be crucial, absolutely crucial in the Pac-12 when you're going against these elite centers that every team seems to have. And Casey Beckway and Shul Mariel are both trending in the right direction at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Shoal had six rebounds, by the way. So third on the yeah, team in rebounds. very well in his 17 minutes looked, as well. Looked much more um, aggressive. And I want to just say this again. Like, he just is moving differently than he has in the last two years. Like, very much more agile, much more fluid. I think health is really starting to come around, which is not something he's had. So good to him. He's got to have been injured for such a long time. This has got to be great to kind of get him back to how he used to probably feel. Yeah, if you go back to like his highlights when he was at Maryland, and he didn't play a ton, but that was pre all the injuries he's had the past two, three years. He was, he looked a lot more fluid and and smooth as as you just said, and, and that's the guy that we're starting to see again. Like this is probably the longest stretch of uninterrupted by injury basketball he's had in quite some time. Yeah, so looking good, um, but Casey Abekwe, so strong and his. His footwork is so good. He has maybe the best spin move of an Oregon State player since Joe Burton. It's unstoppable against smaller defenders, and he had to bust it out. Like most of his – not most of, but a good chunk of his 14 points came in those overtimes. He was the source of offense. He and Lake were the two biggest ones in the final 10 minutes. Oh, yeah, let's talk about Josiah Lake who had nine points and nine rebounds. I don't know if you have how many steals in front of you, but he had a handful of three. three steals clutch plays clutch free throws this guy get this guy a scholarship i he might be their second best guard outside of jordan poe yeah especially in a game where we were hoping especially without Okano, that we might see some dijon craig minutes when they're struggling to hit shots but it's tough not to justify josiah lake getting 28 minutes five or six free throws yeah nine rebounds and a couple huge offensive ones to keep ends the game with a, a two-hand dunk ends the game with a dunk shows a little attitude gives a little bit of extra extra final cushion to make Hit, it look hits the ball with his hand and a piss bump and like a fist bump type motion and when i saw it happen live i was like oh he did that on accident and then when i watched the replay he clearly just hits it with his arm because he's so hyped up i can't believe the refs let that go he's a dog i think they figured yeah there's so little time left we already threw him on one tech we don't need one here but that's the kind of kind of attitude that beats beats jackson shellstad in the state championship in the biggest game of either one of their lives to that point yeah definitely he's really impressive yeah let's talk about dejon craig a little bit because dejon craig hasn't played uh he played five minutes in the pittsburgh game and hasn't played since really seems like he took a nosedive and what from the outside and granted we don't know what's going on in the locker room what's going on in practice or anything like that but from the outside, it seems like his best game was the Baylor game. Very impressive. 12 points. Didn't miss a shot. It made a couple of like really good offensive baskets. And then his playing time is taking a nosedive. In a game where you're 0 for 10 from three, you're not having any shots. And I think DeJean Craig is right there with Jordan Pope as being like in terms of just pure jump shot shooting. He's a pure Indiana shooter. You know, like I'm surprised he didn't get a little bit of run. And I think he, he will again at some point, certainly. And you can understand – that uh, he's probably giving up more defensively than than any of the other guards. He's I mean, generously yeah. listed at six foot. He's not that tall, but we will continue to to ride the Josiah or uh, Dejon Craig rather minutes train and and hope to see him get some in an upcoming game because I think he just provides shot making that especially without a condo they're going to need at times yeah it's hard because christian Wright, you know he does offer such a steady and presence on defense i feel like and he's such a phenomenal one-on-one -on -one defender and an elite athlete it's just it's hard to supplant him in the rotation then you've got josiah lake who's really coming into his own again looks kind of like an elite athlete jordan pope's obviously the star player on the team you're not going to eat to his minutes dexter Cano, senior leader leading the pac-12 
and free throw attempts, you're not going to eat into his minutes. So a little bit of a case of like, yeah, like you're saying, maybe a little small right now. Um, but then also just kind of like a little bit of a stack line by head. But I do agree. I think I still stand by my comment earlier this season that we will see a game where Dejon Craig has like 17 or 19 points off the bench and smokes Colorado or Stanford or one of the random schools. His Jared Lucas <laughs> in 2020 against Stanford right before the season was canceled. Uh game is coming i think sooner rather than later yeah um all right let's also talk about michael retai because michael retai played 43 some of these minutes are ridiculous because of the two overtimes like jordan pope played 45, 45 minutes yeah. had 10 points four rebounds to assist but let's talk about michael retai who had his best game of his career probably 18 points 10 rebounds 43 minutes uh playing over tyler billado for like the main end of the game kind of stretch um, playing with Casey Beckway looking really good. as kind of like a faster four, but still with the strength to play with those power forwards. Uh, what do you think of his game? Yeah, that's maybe his best game as a beaver nine of 18 from the field. I mean, by the end, the offense was not at all, you know, it, it was such a rockful. They were really forcing it onto the block and he was still finding ways to get get good looks and the 10 rebounds is obviously huge. The Beavers won this game on the glass. It was 49, 32 rebounds. They did not struggle with it the way they did against um, UC Davis and retire. It kind of started with him. Yeah. Um, yeah. This game was hilarious because you, you put it very gracefully. This game ended essentially the last five minutes were the two kind of like tallest players on each team, just posting up as hard as they could <laughs> and just seeing who could make a layup one every six times down the court. Yeah, and and the Beavers, as we know, have been been very good in overtimes and hopefully will continue to be 3-0, and you know. That's right. Um, on the Cal Poly side, anything you want to talk about um, other than, like, Kobe Sanders and Quentin Jones? Um, I it was good to see Jared Hyder again. They, the Beaver, he was their second leading scorer. He played 46 minutes. They were fortunate that he did not shoot well. He was only two of 11. He doesn't look like he can dribble. No, yeah, he they, like there's a reason that he was not asked to stick around at Cal. Clearly, but I do love the note they had about Kobe Sanders. Get you would assume he is named after the late. Kobe Bryant, former Los Angeles Lakers star. That is not at all the case. His parents are, are big fans of the choice beef cut, Kobe. And um, they didn't want they, – they knew a kid named Kobe with a Y and just said, well, not copy that, so we'll change it to E. And, and yeah, I, I think that rules. I'm a big fan of Kobe Sanders for that alone. Yeah, they said his parents named him after their favorite restaurant, Kobe. <laughs> I really want to go to that restaurant now. I wonder if he gets to eat there for free. Yes, that's true. Um, I'll just note again that the Beavers had 18 turnovers to Cal Poly 17. So leading the game in turnovers for the third. Well, I, I didn't look back to see if it goes back farther than three, but at least the last three games. Um, still looking to tighten that up. 49 total rebounds. That's huge. The, the post really played well in this last two-game stretch. Yeah, the 11 total assists, again, discouraging. But when you're not hitting many shots, no threes, it's tough to, to pile those up. But they they made the plays that they needed to down the stretch. Um, all right. Well, anything else you want to talk about then, or should we preview the Utah Valley game? I think the Cal Poly game is best put in, in the past. Um, here, here, My final thought is I think it was as encouraging as it was ugly that they found a way to win that game. But, yes, best looked at from afar. Yeah, best looked at from afar. 
Okay, next up, Oregon State will be taking on uh, Utah Valley on Saturday, December 9th. Uh, Utah Valley is currently, what are they, five and three? Yes. Five and three, like Oregon State. Um, they've have huge wins over Sam Houston State, Southern Miss, Western Colorado, Seattle University, but then have also lost to teams like Utah Tech <laughs> and Cornell and Charlotte. So in any given bag, um, what are you looking for for the Utah Valley, a team that's doing new things now that their head coach is at Cal? Yeah, they lost. They, they were a very good team a year ago, lost um, most of their production. It's it's still been a somewhat successful team. They honestly share some things in common with the Beavers. They struggle to score, especially in their losses. They've got a 42-point game. They've, they've had a couple, you know, where they've barely gotten to 60. Their leading scorer, um, Caleb Stone Carowell, is a 6'7 kid. He averages only 12 points a game. Um, the Beavers are I, I did some deep diving into some statistical rankings and found some good stuff. But at this point, the Beavers are struggling almost as much as anybody in the country from three. Um, they're 337th in, in three-point percentage, and Utah Valley is 344th. So <laughs> it is going to be a rock fight Saturday. Quite Now that I say that, they'll probably both tee off and hit like 15 each or something. But, yeah, it's been a struggle shooting the ball for both these teams. They have a seven-footer, Trevin Dorius, out of Heber City, Utah. And I want you to look at his his picture. He looks exactly <laughs> what you think a big, giant guy from Utah would look like. He's going to be um, something to deal with. One of the few guys that matches or is even bigger than than a Beckway and, and almost Shoal, too. So it it will be – it's unlikely to be a high-scoring game Saturday. That's right. Um, and I'm going to look for Jordan Pope to get back on track. Uh, he's had kind of a little bit, not like that his numbers have really gone down, but the shooting hasn't been there in the last two games like it was previously early in the season. So I think I'm going to key in on that for my Oregon State watching. And then I'm also curious to see what Wayne Tinkle does with Retai and Bilodeau. If he continues to play kind of like a small forward, power forward, and line up with them and get them on the court at the same time, or if he gives them both kind of time, to play the four, which feels a little bit maybe more like their natural progression, although Rotai shot almost 38% from three last year. So in theory, he should be able to stretch it enough to play it. But again, that's a season this year where they're not hitting any threes. We've seen it from from all of them. Christian Wright at times has been hot from three. The game is coming where where it's more than one guy who's hot from out there. Hopefully Akano is back as well because it, this is very likely to be a physical game where down the stretch the whistle's going to be blowing a lot and and he's like you said leading the pack 12 and free throws I, already and, so and there's no way plenty to get in this one yeah and there's no way the uc um or not the uc day but the cal poly game i don't think that gets to overtime if akano plays i think the beavers win in regulation we're, we're, we're confident asserting that absolutely i think that's more than reasonable um all right well, do you want to play? Do you have some stats you want to share with us, or do you want to do Ken Palm Ponderings? This is going to be really quick. I, I did some digging, and I want to keep them as positive as possible. Shout outs to NCAA.com, a much more helpful website, honestly, than uh, than you would think for such a corrupt organization. But, you know, and, and we'll continue to visit these. But as you sift through some, frankly, ugly offensive numbers, in the early going, you've, you've got to wonder, well, what makes the Beavers successful sitting 5-3 and three undefeated at home, 3-0 and oh in overtime games? And I'm, 
I'll keep it to just two for now, Andy, is they are 42nd in opponent field goal percentage. So sift through the fact that they've given up a couple high numbers, 88 to Baylor. That's some bottom line good stuff. And 77th in opponent three-point percentage. I think if you can climb into the top 50 of that as well and stay there, you're going to be very successful regardless of of how the offense looks in the, in the immediate future. So keep keep looking for positives, Peyton Heads. They're there. They're there to find. They're there to find. That's right. Okay. Well, let's end with a little uh, bit of Ken Palm ponderings. Okay. Let's start off with – These are as of today. These are as of today. These are as of like 20 minutes ago. Um, okay. Let's start off with just Oregon State's upcoming opponent, Utah Valley. Utah Valley, who's 5-3, and three, has wins over – Carroll, which is a not ranked because I don't think they're a D. I think Carroll is NAI. Yeah, I think they're NAI. They've got some shooters. They so Utah Valley beat them by eight. They beat Sam Houston State by six. Lost to Charlotte by seventeen. Beat Southern Miss by two. Lost to Cornell by thirteen. Beat Western Colorado, who again is I think is D two by fifteen points. Beat Seattle by six points, and then lost to Utah Tech. Uh, 65 to 63. Utah Tech is the number 228 team in the country. Um, where, okay, well, first up, where do you think, uh, actually, let's start off like this. Where do you think Oregon State is ranked currently? Well, I they're, do fi- be- they're five and three with just three losses versus Nebraska, Baylor, and Pittsburgh. I unfortunately, I do believe it, it was, it was foiled, uh, by a good friend and, sh- uh, and, Listener, former guest, Seth Allen. Shout outs to Seth. But aren't they, they're 192, correct? Yeah. Oregon State okay, is so for the Beaver stand. Okay, so Oregon State is 192. Utah Valley is five and three with the losses and wins that I just stated. Are they ranked higher or lower than Oregon State? Are they ranked better or worse? I, I'm gonna say they should be very even, frankly, but the Beavers have played a harder schedule. I think they're gonna be just ahead. Um, you would be incorrect. Utah Valley is just ahead. They are 190th in the country. Oregon State is 192. So Ken Palm really respecting spreading out your losses and only losing by 12 points as opposed to clumping them all together. Against good power five teams who Utah Valley has not paid, played yet. No, that's because they're from Utah and Ken Palm trolls us with his Utah team. Ken it's Palm has going a, on three years now. That's true. Ken Palm has a known Utah bias. He is from Utah, lives in Utah. I believe he's like a weatherman. Yeah, he's a weatherman. Yeah. All right. Um, what about the University of California, the Golden Bears, who are three and five, that's right. Three wins, five losses, with their only wins coming over St. Thomas, Cal State, Bakersfield, and then Santa Clara, who they did wallop in their last game, um, but have losses to Pacific, Montana State, UTEP, Tulane, and San Diego State. Who do you think is ranked, better or worse, Cal or Oregon State? I think that big sky loss is going to tank them. I think the Beavers have the leg up on Cal. No, Cal is actually ranked surprisingly better than Oregon State. They are 163 in the country That's to the Beavers, 102. High. So. That's surprising for a, on, a, th- a three and five team with no major power five wins. You know what? Mark Madsen, former Utah Valley coach. So he's got the Ken Palm co-sign. This is so transparent and easy to see through. Uh, yeah, you're right. Um, where do you think? Let's check in on our old bellwether, Samford. Not Stanford. Buckyball. Samford, Buckyball, the man who shoots, speaking of three, shoots a million threes. He's only five three, the shortest coach in the country. 
Where do you think Sanford is ranked? Do you think they're ranked better or worse I than Oregon State? Small. It's so entertaining watching them play when he's got to get his big guys' attention and stuff. They, they're seven and two with their only losses coming in a major, massive forty-one point blowout loss to Purdue, we're, and then we're a, down like sixty at one point. I think. Yeah, and a thirteen-point loss to VCU, but then uh, seven straight wins after that. I'm a. They're, they've got it. That's too many. They're going to be ahead of the Beavers, right? That's right. They're 132. They're 60 spots better than the Beavers. Despite only beating one team who is ranked in the top 260 in the country. See, I almost thought about going crazy and saying that they're like 201 or something like that. Well, it's just uh, Ken Palm gives a lot of respect to beating Merrimack and South Carolina Merrimack State. Is, is beating Florida, I think, right now. Merrimack's a fun one. All right, let's take it local. Let's check in on our favorite team outside of the Beavers, Portland State, the 6-2 and two Vikings. Do you think Portland State is ranked better or worse than Oregon State? Their only loss is coming to St. Thomas, and then Washington State lost by 10, but wins over Air Force, UC Santa Barbara, Linfield, Cal Baptist, Cal Poly, who they beat 73-57, and University of Portland. Yeah, in the Portland game, one of the most entertaining of the year. I'd, I'd be curious to see where that ranks on Ken Palm's most exciting games. For a while, the Beavers-Troy game was his most exciting. But, yeah, that was a crazy one. I think that the the Vikings, who, who played Washington State very, very tough recently as well, they were tied with them at halftime. Shout-outs to, to what Jace Covert. They've got to be higher, right? They've done enough. Yeah, Portland State is 150th in the country, so 42 spots higher than Oregon State. Really love what Coach Coburn's doing over at Portland State. Now, Check in if you're a local fan. Just to keep, because we talk, we love Coach Coburn on in that his maniacal ways on this podcast. But I, and so he he talks about wanting to stay humble. I'm going to throw some brief shade at Portland State that you can't play this many Division three teams. Their next two games are against Northwest Conference teams. It just We've got it all going, man. Make a complete schedule. Come on. We're almost there. That's true. <laughs> they are going to blow the doors off Lewis and Clark tomorrow, too. Yeah, that's not going to look pretty. <laughs> Although, Ken Palm does predictions, and it gives them a 100% chance of beating Lewis and Clark. That's so funny. At that point, maybe you shouldn't play the game, you know? Um, okay, what about University of Portland? Checking on our other bellwether. They're 5-4. and four. Um, with wins over Wyoming, UC Riverside, Long Beach State, and Lewis and Clark, but losses to Air Force, Portland State, Nevada, and Tennessee State. Who do you think is ranked higher? I've unfortunately, you know, I'm on record with this Portland team. They are a bit fraudulent, or more than a bit, frankly, and and I think that Ken Palm sees that as well, and they're going to be below the Beavers. Yeah, that's right. They are 216, so creeping outside the top 200. Not the bounce you wanted um, after last year's. Uh, kind of seeming like beginning of a turnaround yeah a little bit of the the shine has worn off the shante leggings era at this point okay sam well you asked me to compare um just briefly a second ago where the university of portland portland state game ranks in ken palm in terms of most excitement to the oregon state troy game and i'll have you know there is no comparison because according to Ken Palm, the Oregon State 81 to 80 victory over Troy in double overtime is still the most exciting game of the season. Let's go. Not only that, but Oregon State has two of the top 20 most exciting games of the season so far with their 
70 to 63 double overtime win over Cal Poly Wait, coming that's in. That's in it, but not the Appalachian State one. No, that's uh, that's number 18. <laughs> well, I don't know that I agree with that, but okay. So it's nice to get a small tip of the cap from Ken Palm. It is validating. Yeah, it feels good. So that's something to hold on to if you're a Beaver fan. Is right now these games, you know, they may be gut wrenching, but they're exciting, and a lot of other colleges aren't getting that. So embrace that for what you will. Embrace it and and. Embrace the magic of a 5-0 and start at Gill. There's there's something simmering there. The crowds have not been great, but the vibe is being pushed in the in the right direction by me, if if nobody else. The, but that's that's good. That's where we want to start. The crowds aren't haven't been great, but the vibe's been good. We're, that's and that's all we can control. Bring a friend next time, Peyton Heads. That's right. Um, okay. Any shout-outs on our way out of here? I want to shout-out um, everyone that was at the game Monday. It seemed to be a very light crowd. But, again, I just – you know, the the magic inside of Gil is just, like, itching to to burst and be on full display. It, it, it hasn't been yet, but I feel it coming. And uh, and I, I, I want to shout-out you as well, Andy, for passing along a piece of advice. I should have figured out myself long before this. But Gil Dogs are best before – halftime i can concede that to you i don't want to pull back the curtain too much but i'll let you guys know they're not making new hot dogs <laughs> so if you get them after halftime just know that those hot dogs have been there for a well, while you know how we're gonna have to get them to make new hot dogs at halftime we're gonna have to get some more peyton heads out to these games that get we're gonna have to fill gill as the hashtag was in the early twitter days look i'm doing my part i mean as many gill dogs as possible when i'm at these games people i'm gonna die soon i need some other people to step up andy is one of few people who's known to do something that i know to be crazy and that is get a sec a a gill dog before the game and a second one at halftime that's commitment in ways that we need from more people i love the school and uh my shout out is to you, Sam, because I'm impressed with how many games you're going to this year in person. You're really taking full advantage, and I'm excited to get down to some more with you, but you're making it happen, so shout out to you. Well, thank you, and and I hope Peyton Heads heed the call. I don't know that I'm going to be able to make it Saturday, but we'll both be back down there soon. Say hi to us. Buy us a Guild beer. They are very expensive. That's true. All right, and I guess there's just one thing left to say. Fuck the Ducks. Fuck the Ducks. All right, go Beast forever. Right. See you very soon.